0: Open your Bibles, (laughs) Hebrews chapter twelve. We are going to be following along. Last time I had a chance to speak, we studied Hebrews chapter eleven on all the things that faith can do, and and right now I'm praying that faith does that, rejuvenating the body, because uh, this last week has been so hectic that I was up finishing this sermon at two thirty in the morning, and uh, so right now I'm glad we're having an afternoon service at 10 o'clock, I was in no shape to be up here saying boo. I was like, thank God. So good afternoon, everybody. Amen? And I'm glad you're here with us. If you're visiting, I hope you have an encouraging and fellowshipping time. And afterwards, we're going to have a great time to encourage the Bowens. We have a cake and punch going away reception for them downstairs. And uh, I know they had an event that was supposed to be small that just kept getting bigger. But we have one more chance to say goodbye to them and encourage them. So, now, what faith drives? In the last, in this summer, I had a chance to uh, visit our daughter in the Bahamas, and I, had, I learned an interesting thing about why they drive on the left side of the road. It goes back to when there were knights riding the roads. You would ride on the left side of the road because you might need to get out your sword To defend yourself against an oncoming rider. And what are most people, right handed or left handed? So think about that. If you rode on the left side of the road, you could draw your weapon out and defend yourself against an oncoming horseman. Now, why do we drive on the right side of the road? Well, the teamsters, truckers, the first teamsters didn't drive trucks. Do you know what the first teamsters drove? teams of horses and it was in america and france that they'd have six or eight horses pulling in pairs pulling the wagon and the driver did not sit up on the wagon the driver sat on the last the first horse on the left so he would want to be able to look to his left to see that the wagon coming the other way had gotten past him so the drivers would drive on the right so i was just curious about why this was true because we're in the Bahamas, and they drive on the left. Then we're at my, da- uh, my cousin's uh, daughter's wedding, and we're driving on the left. And I'm, and, and I'm like, we're driving back and forth. People ask, is it hard to remember? can be hard to remember. One time in the Bahamas, I turned left, in, and I didn't stay left. I stayed right on a very busy road. So luckily, everybody said, that's an American, and just stopped. <laughs> And let me turn my car around. And I was like, and any of you who know Reggie, Reggie Wilson, he let me borrow his truck down there. And uh, it's a cool truck. It's an old Isuzu, but it it has a choke. I mean, it's a really old truck. And before it warms up, sometimes it can stall when you're backing up. I'm like, please don't stall. Please don't stall. So I'm babying a throttle and everything. And I managed to turn the car around. But you think about what drives us. And Hebrews 11, a lot of things there were about what faith can do in an encouraging way. How it can rejuvenate us. It creates a longing for heaven. It brings transformation. Well, faith also causes us to have some sort of actions and take some steps and take some positions on things. So the first thing is, if we go to the next slide, faith demands action. In Hebrews chapter 12 in verse 1, Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, that's all the men and women of faith in Hebrews chapter 11, some of whom we studied the last time I had a chance to talk with you guys. It says, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles and let us run the race with perseverance that's marked out for us. Let us fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross. Scorning its shame and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured such opposition from sinful men so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. In your struggle against sin, you have not yet resisted to the point of shedding your blood. Faith demands action. What does that mean? Well, if you look here, there's a reaction to the great cloud of witnesses. Things we've got to throw off, the race we've got to run, where we've got to fix our eyes, even our thoughts, considering Him who endured our opposition, and even being willing to shed ourselves to struggle against uh, sin to the point of shedding our blood. And you think of that great cloud of witnesses. How many of you guys ever had a workout buddy? Someone you go to the gym with, or even if you just talk about your workout. Okay. When you have a workout buddy, you share a goal with them, right? Why? Okay, okay. Um, honestly, it, it inspires you. It holds you accountable. Okay? It moves you through things. Um, Robert inspired many of us with our thoughts and minds about ourselves, our eating, our, our, our attitudes. Just, I took a decision to reinvigorate, and I had my, my mat laid out in my living room floor every morning. I had my, all my different weights and everything, and all these routines with squats with the weights and abs and the whole nine yards all summer long. I even brought them to Ohio. Her, 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 we went to Ohio to visit Andy's sister, and I dragged this big bag of weights out, and my brother-in-law was like, what's that? He goes, that's the weights that I'm working out with. So he, asked me, he actually asked me every morning, how's it going? And before we left the, the hotel, I worked out every morning. Why am I saying that? When you put things out there like that, it helps you to stay accountable. It helps you to stay focused. Well, spiritually, we need to realize that we have a great cloud of witnesses who are all looking at us and aware of us and inspired by us. But they need to drive us to do greater things. Um, even when I found out we were going to go to Ireland with this family wedding, I reached out to the church in Dublin. And they asked me to speak to them on the Sunday that we were there. And I posted it up on Facebook. And I got a chance to preach to our church in Dublin. I had forgotten that all my family over there are my Facebook friends. It was awesome. Because they're like, what's this church in Dublin? Tell us about it. What are you doing? uh, And I got a chance to share the message. and, And I started a great conversation because there was a great deal of curiosity in my family. And my aunt and my cousin had come out and visit us in New York back in October. They couldn't come that Sunday because they had uh, conflicts, but it started a great conversation. So when you put things out there, you just don't know what's going to come out of it. You can't ignore the consequence of letting your light shine. Um, A great cloud of witnesses can drive you to do things that you might forget to do otherwise. We need to remember how many people went into bringing us where we are today. Um, uh, For instance... We took, tried to take Caitlin. Caitlin went to Bolivia for the summer. Do you know anything about the southern continent, the southern hemisphere? What season is it now? It's winter. So she spent her summer having winter. So he we said, well, we've got to get you one day at the beach. So, so we tried to get her to the beach, right? So on Friday, we took, on Friday, we took her to the beach. I've never been attacked by so many biting black flies. There was like 15 of them all over my legs. And I, we couldn't stay. You, that great cloud of flies drove us away, these little tiny insects. And we're walking off the beach, and there's people coming towards the beach, and they're wondering, why is everybody leaving? It wasn't just us. It was everybody in our area had to leave the beach. And we're warning people, there's a great cloud of biting flies. They're going to inundate you. They're all over you. And then you swat. You, I was like, I got one out of the 15. And I was like, this is impossible. But see, a great cloud of witnesses in the same way can keep you focused on what it is that we're trying to do for Christ. Even, uh, Andy's, the last couple of days, some of the, some of the women have been helping out this, uh, uh, their friend, Arellis, a lot. And she has a great cadre of sisters around her encouraging her and inspiring her. And it didn't just start in the, in the summer. Lynn met her years ago and reached out to her. And, and uh, she had some Bible studies with her. Now she's getting to a point where she wants to make some great decisions. And soon enough, she may be making that decision about her salvation and becoming a Christian. Amen? Yes. But that's a great cloud of witnesses that went into us. Now, if we think about this, and it goes on and it starts talking about Jesus. And you might think about, well, there's this great cloud of witnesses, but it mentions Jesus. Because I think he needs to be our greatest inspiration. I think what he endured... And what he went through and everything that he suffered for us needs to keep us focused. Because I know for me, in my walk with God, that's the thing that if, I'm, if everything else is off kilter, if I just come back to what he did for me, it means why am I ever going to lose heart? Why am I ever going to lose my step with God? I can't ever give up. I can't ever pull back. I have to be encouraged by that love and sacrifice and faith and patience. You know, it's a, it kind of cajoles us into just moving along. You know, we're not going to ever give up, but we need to be inspired. You know, we need to cast off hindrances. We need to cast off sins. Okay? We need to have priorities. Sometimes we want to come into Christ, but we let things pull us back. And maybe there's things that aren't even really wrong, but sometimes... There's only so many hours in a day, right? Does anyone ever find out a way to get 26 hours in a day? It's only 24, right? And that's you've got to sleep sometimes, so there's really like 18, 17, right? What am I saying is there's only so many things that we can do. And there are times where we have to cast off things that are hindrances to us because we can only have so many things going on in our lives. And sin entangles us. My question to you is, is will your action match those of the witnesses who went before us? Faith demands action. We have to do something with it. We have to work hard at our walk with God. The next thing, faith dictates reaction. Hebrews chapter 12. It's going to be mostly there, primarily. Verses 5 to 13. And you have forgotten the word of encouragement that addresses you as sons. My son, do not make light of the Lord's discipline, and do not lose heart when he rebukes you, because the Lord disciplines those he loves, and he punishes everyone he accepts as a son. And your hardship is discipline. God is treating you as sons, for what son is not disciplined by his father. If you are not disciplined and everyone undergoes discipline, then you are illegitimate children and not true sons. Moreover, we have all had human fathers who disciplined us And we respected them for it. How much more should we submit to the Father of our spirits and live? Our fathers disciplined us for a little while as they thought best. But God disciplines us for our good that we may share in his holiness. No discipline seems pleasant at the time, but painful. Later on, however, it produces a harvest of righteousness and peace for those who have been trained by it. Therefore, strengthen your feeble arms and weak knees Make level pads for your feet, so that the lame may not be disabled, but rather healed. When you want to become a Christian first, you start thinking, man, this is awesome. I get to repent of all the stuff that was bothering me in my conscience anyway. I get wisdom from God's Word. I get to see people who are all sincere friends. I get to find other people who want to know God. I start to see God answering my prayers. I get to be forgiven and born again. There's all these awesome things that come along with making a decision to follow Christ, right? Amen? Amen. But guess what? Right along with it comes challenge. It's difficult, right? I know for me, old habits die hard, right? We want to have the walk with Christ, but some of the stuff that just is our go-to behaviors, it keeps coming back. And we have to fight hard against that and be vulnerable and open. Difficulties come along. You know, we might say to ourselves, wait a minute, I thought this was supposed to be fun and and not too hard of a ride. See, faith dictates reaction. Just because challenges come along, it doesn't mean you've done something wrong. It means you're following Christ. In fact, if you look in verse 7, endure hardship as discipline. God is treating you as sons and daughters, right? For what son or daughter is not disciplined, okay? We are all going to be disciplined by God. It's not something that all of a sudden indicates we've made a mistake, okay? I was kind of, when I saw we had our, a choir up here singing, I felt like we had our praise group over here. They were so excited. But they're, they're, they're able to be, rejoice and be excited. But, guys, all those brothers and sisters understand what it talks about to be disciplined by God. To face hardship and challenges and to come through them. Okay, We don't come through this life as a Christian unscathed in certain situations. Stuff that we've done comes back but even our own disciplining in Christ it brings challenges to us. But see, faith dictates reaction. When problems come along we shouldn't throw up our hands and give up and think something's wrong with the picture. When problems come along, it's part of the picture. It's aimed at helping us to grow. It's aimed at helping us to become what God envisions us to be. See, in verse 10, God disciplines us for our good that we may share in His holiness. Right? See, there's a purpose behind God's discipline. It's not always easy. It's sometimes really difficult. But we can't just say, uh, well, something's wrong because it's hard. Okay? You know, we will all go through it. My question to you is the hardships that you faced, have you been trained by it? Or have you complained about it? You know? You face hardships. We have an option. Because it says we can be trained by it. If you look in verse 11... There's a good outcome to discipline from God. No discipline seems pleasant at the time, but painful. Later on, however, it produces a harvest of righteousness and peace for those who have been what? Trained by it. Everyone's going to go through it. Not everyone's going to get the harvest of peace and righteousness. We have to be trained by it. If we've complained about it or avoided it or anything else, We're not going to get that harvest that God's wanting us to have. But see, that takes time for us to sit and think. That takes time for us to contemplate and to not give up. My wife is an amazing example of always striving to see God's hands in all situations. She's like, I can't sleep. God must want me to pray. I'm like, wow. I'd be like, I can't sleep. I need of me some sleep. She started this with the girls. When the baby, we anti breastfed our daughters, but so they wake up every two or three hours. It's like God just wants me up and praying when they're taking care of business, you know? And so it started from that. So and why am I saying this? In life, it's, it's how we look at the challenges. What is God trying to show me? What do I need to learn from this? Not, oh, I can't believe it's so hard. This is difficult. Someone keep me from falling away. Someone come hold my hand. Instead of having a heart of, like, I'm going through hard times, but let me figure out what God's showing me through this. You know, how will you react to hardship? One reaction comes from faith and can lead to a harvest of peace and righteousness. Now, if you even look in verse 13, it says there, Make level paths for your feet so that the lame may not be disabled but rather healed. And right in front of that it says strengthen your feeble arms and weak knees. You see, how you react will dictate how others react. We set an example. So it says there, we need to not cause anyone else to be disabled. We need to not make anybody else have a hard time getting along this path of the Christian life. Those of us that are more mature in the faith, we need to be examples for those coming along behind us in the faith so that they can see how we handle life. And they can look at our example. And they can draw encouragement from us or seek advice from us or get help from us. But it all is going to depend on how do you react to hardship. I hope you've been trained by it and not complained about it. The next thing is faith drives interaction. Hebrews 12, verse 14. Make every effort to live in peace with all men and to be holy. Without holiness, no one will see the Lord. See to it that no one misses the grace of God and that no bitter root grows up to cause trouble and defile many. See that no one is sexually immoral or is godless like Esau, who for a single meal sold his inheritance as the oldest son. Afterward, you know, when he wanted to inherit his blessing, he was rejected. He could bring about no change of mind, though he sought the blessing with tears. There's two kinds of interaction I see highlighted here. Okay, Two kinds of interaction. First one is with regards to the lost, people who don't know what we know right now. We have a right to let our light shine and to get into the lives of people. It says, see to it that no one misses the grace of God. Okay, If we're in Christ, do we have the grace of God? Amen, right? The people that don't have the grace of God are not yet Christians. See, sometimes we look at this scripture and we think it just talks about helping everybody here. It does talk about helping everybody here. But it also talks about helping people get here. Do you understand what I'm saying? And if you're visiting with us, we're hoping you'll get that grace of God. and Maybe you'll learn things that you didn't know before. And you'll be encouraged in your walk with God, Right? You know, if you've made that decision to be a Christian and you want to be in that walk, then this also talks about the work we've got to do with each other. Right? Because if the second half of verse fifteen it says, No bitter root grows up to cause trouble and defile many? How many of you guys have a garden of any kind? Right? Does only what you plant grow? Right? No. Sometimes what you plant doesn't grow, and everything you didn't plant does grow. You know, I didn't plant that. What is that? What is that thing? I plant grass, I get crabgrass. I, I hate crabgrass. The girls think I'm crazy. One time, the yard, we start, I started looking, and once you start looking, everything is crabgrass. You're like, I thought I had grass. But you get down there on your knees, and one time we spent like a whole afternoon... And that little plot of grass in my backyard, it looked like landmines had gone off because there was just so much brown dirt because there was so much crabgrass because when it spreads, it automatically shoots out and sends up another plant. So you, so as soon as you find one, you got to look in the vicinity of that one because odds are there's four or five other ones all around it. Ramiro, how many times did you start that front lawn over? Like three, right? But it's growing grass now. Amen. Think about that. It takes work. See, even if we're in Christ, bitter roots want to grow up. And they want to cause trouble. And they want to defile many. We have to let people into our garden. We have to let people see what's growing in our lives. Because sometimes you just think it's all fine. It wasn't until I really got down there and that girl's like, Dad, you're crazy. We're pulling out all the whole lawn. But you know what? I don't got no crabgrass. I got grass now. You know, why am I saying this? Is we need to understand that in and each and every one of us, the grace of God is what saves us, but we're a mess. We don't come out of the waters of baptism, supermen and women for Christ. We come out clothed in Christ. Our sins are cut away, but there's still so much in our character and in our nature, in our habits, that we need help with. And we need encouragement with. And we need to let people know what our battles are so that we can get help. Because Satan wants to take us out. He is an active agent sowing things in our lives. You, know, you might wonder how did that happen? It's because some demon knew that if I did X, Y, and Z, I could cause P, D, and Q to happen, you know? It's just there is a spiritual battle going on. We have guardian angels. We have God's Holy Spirit. But that means that there's forces working on his side too, trying to take us away from our focus. And we need to band together in that way. We need to not let Satan have any victories. Because we're all going to fall down. But the only one that loses is if you stay down. We just get back up again. A righteous man falls seven times. But what does he do? He gets back up. A righteous man doesn't falls. A righteous man's not perfect. A righteous man just doesn't give up. Do you understand what I'm saying? Now, have you ever heard that um, phrase? If you see something, say something. Okay. Well, if you see something, say something. Spiritual. We need to not notice things in each other's life and avoid helping each other out. It's not always comfortable, and sometimes it's a bit scary. I remember the first time when my roommate in college became a Christian, and I had to talk to him about a part of his character that was challenging for, to be a roommate and some of the decisions he was making, and he walked out of that talk. And I was like, I made him fall away from God. no. I was scared. I, I hated conflict. Okay? But I had to help him. And he repented and we resolved our things and he made it to, to heaven. Sadly, he passed away about 10 years ago, but he was faithful to God. And even in his passing, he was a testimony to a great life as a Christian. Amen? So if we see something, say something. Romans chapter 15 verse 14 says, and this is Paul addressing the whole church in Rome. I myself am convinced, brothers and sisters, right, that you yourselves are full of goodness, complete in knowledge, and competent to instruct one another. That was not a select group of people in the church. That was addressed a letter to the whole church. So all of us in here have things to offer everybody else in here. We can all learn from each other. But you see, we have to be willing to share what we see if you see something say something spiritual we need to help each other we don't need to offer platitudes when we need to offer input okay we need to say things that really inspire and encourage and help us to grow in our faith amen so and the last thing here is that faith desires respect hebrews chapter 12 verse 18 You have not come to a mountain that can be touched and that is burning with fire to darkness, gloom and storm to a trumpet blast or to such a voice speaking words that those who heard it begged that no further word be spoken to them because they could not bear what was commanded if even an animal touches the mountain it must be stoned. The sight was so terrifying that Moses said I am trembling with fear but you have come to Mount Zion to the heavenly Jerusalem, to the city of the living God. You've come to thousands upon thousands of angels in joyful assembly, to the church of the firstborn, whose names are written in heaven. You have come to God, the judge of all men, to the spirits of righteous men made perfect, to Jesus, the mediator of a new covenant, and to the sprinkled blood that speaks a better word than the blood of Abel. See to it that you do not refuse him who speaks. If they did not escape when they had refused Him who warned them on earth, how much less will we if we turn away from him who warns us from heaven? At that time, his voice shook the earth, but now he has promised, Once more I will shake not only the earth, but also the heavens. The words once more indicate the removing of what can be shaken, that is, created things, so that what cannot be shaken may remain. Therefore, since we are receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken, let us be thankful and so worship God acceptably with reverence and awe. For our good, God, sorry, is a consuming fire. We can't take what we have for granted. This is something awesome that we've been given in Christ. We get to stand in God's presence. Something that even made Moses tremble. Okay? Thousands upon thousands in joyful assembly. That's how many angels are out there excited about gatherings like this today of men and women who are walking in Christ. Think about that. Jesus isn't only the mediator, I think of him as the ransomator. Because he didn't just mediate an amazing deal with us with God. He then said, I'm going to pay that price. I'm going to make it possible for those righteous men and women to be made perfect. We're not made perfect because of our Okay, We're made perfect because of the blood of Christ. Do you understand what I'm saying? So what we've been given here is an amazing opportunity in Christ. But we have to treat it with respect. This is not something that we can just do or not do. And I'm sorry to let you know, but if you're here today, the cat is out of the bag. you got no excuse. You can't refuse him. Sorry. But it's awesome. So if you're struggling with this decision, you need to understand how awesome it is what we've been given. Do you understand what I'm saying? And I know in my walk with God, I came to the point of I'm either going to do this or, or I'm going to stop saying I believe in God. There was not that middle ground anymore where I offered some tacit acknowledgement but didn't do anything about it. I had to go one way or the other way. And I know which way I chose to go. Amen? And it did come with discipline. It did come with challenges. It did come with its share of hard times and struggles and broke, busted, and disgusted. But we're here. Amen? See, for us here today, we need to have that heart that says, I'm not going to just take this and let it roll off my back like water off a duck. We need to take this and embrace it. We need to take this and have a heart that I am going to be a man or woman of action. I'm going to be a man or woman that reacts in a godly way to his discipline. I'm going to be someone that interacts with brothers and sisters and with people who don't know what we yet now know, those lost souls out there that need to know about salvation. I'm not going to just treat the great thing we've been given in Christ as some humdrum thing. I'm going to treat it with the respect that it it, it needs to be accorded. Amen? I appreciate the chance to come and share this today. I hope it's helped you out and built you up. But And I hope we have a great week and an incredible time of fellowship here. Thanks so much. Thank you, brother.